Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. Today we continue our conversation with Kathleen Crawford, a trainer, consultant, content developer, and communications expert. In this episode, we talk about the importance of engaging auditors in their own project selection so they develop new skills, and for project managers to look beyond the immediate project and allocate time to the team skills. All that and more, starting now. we have spoken a bit about how internal auditors can better collaborate with their business partners, the process owners and those individuals within the organization who we're going to, let's call them audit, right? But another perspective to this is how do we better integrate and how do we collaborate with our teammates within our own department? So what are your thoughts about that? I, I have a couple of thoughts about that. Um, Project by project, when I'm when I have a supervisory responsibility, I like to check in with each of the the people who might be working uh, with us as a team to see what they want to try. Are there things that they really want to try that they haven't had an opportunity to try? So I look for ways that um, that we can divide and conquer the work, but not with me assigning. Uh, not with me just saying, Hernan, you're going to do this, Kathleen, you're going to do that, but more like, what would you like to do? What do you feel confident in? What do you feel less confident in? And, um, and is there some subject matter in our audit that is of particular interest to you? Can, uh, would you be, if you're sincerely interested, I'm happy to shuffle things up and change things around just to keep it fresh and, and people moving forward, um, with, with, uh, developing those new skills and competencies, at least for them. And then to, to keep myself on target, I also write down, um, I have this grid where I, I will make sure to indicate what, um, what people already have uh, great strength in, but what they might need some uh, support in. So, so I'm hearing a, a dual dynamic playing out here. One of them mm-hmm. is that immediate project and what you need to do for this uh, event, let's call it that, this project that you're working on or you're assigning people to. But you also have a longer range uh, perspective as well. You're thinking from a mm-hmm. development perspective. Exactly. What are people going to focus on? And, and, and that will give them, number one, the flexibility and the ownership and, and let's call it the responsibility as well to, to identify what areas they would like to strengthen or which areas they are weaker on and they would like to work on. So I, I, I hear a duality to it, which I think is very mm-hmm. interesting and very good because part of that is how we need to think about our staff, our teams, and how we accomplish what we need to in the short term, but also develop them for the longer term. Right. Uh, that is exactly how I feel about it. Um, okay. And. And maybe um, maybe this too is something that uh, is born of my my own experience. It it frustrated me sometimes not to 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 kind of be pigeonholed in terms of what uh, what I had done in the past and what I was good at. I was really really good at compliance work, but that wasn't all I wanted to do. And so um, yeah, I can read through contracts as as well as anybody, and I can see whether or not we're following all the um, the rules and the expectations, or whether the area is. But that I, I did feel pigeonholed in a couple of organizations that I worked for. Um, but 
I, I think many of us these days really want to be able to flex more than one muscle. I mean, I may have a really great uh, right bicep, but what if I'm not ex exercising my left arm, you know? <laughs> it's going to look a little, you know, imbalanced. So anyway. Exactly, exactly. No, no, that's a very good point. And, and that's part of what we need to think about. And uh, one of the things that I also try to advocate quite often is the importance of reflection and, and, and taking mm -hmm. time to think about where you are, where you're going, what's working, what's not working, and how you can course correct. And I think that uh, you're showing us one of the ways that we can do that. And also we can help our uh, staff to also acquire those skills and develop those skills. So very, very helpful there. Now, how about another thought related to this in terms of collaboration, too? Because one of the things that's been around for a while is this concept of integrated auditing. Mm -hmm. And that has been applied primarily in, or at least initially, in the context of business-type, accounting-type topics and IT-related topics. Now, let's keep it within that human element and, 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 mm -hmm. and integrate people. So when mm -hmm. we're talking about who is going to be on the team and who's going to do what, do you also apply this idea of integration, collaboration in terms of skill sets so that you're thinking in terms of who is new to the department, who is new to the organization, mm -hmm. who has more experience, department slash organization, topic area, and so on. Do you also look at some of those dynamics in terms of how you can build a, a, a more, uh, a better integrated team? For sure. Absolutely. The, um, we all have job descriptions that, that uh, enumerate a variety of skills and competencies as we're supposed to bring to, um, to work with us. But um, depending on where somebody is in their, uh, in their career, um, you know, how early or um, how far developed they are in their career, I'm, I'm approaching a very big birthday um, myself, and I still want to learn, and I still want to grow, and I presume that about all of the people that I come in contact with. Um, you'll start to see if people want to specialize and and kind of go into a narrower band, and they'll let you know that. But I think in general, people really do uh, like to learn new things and develop new skills. So um, I really uh, I I start with that as a presumption. But I also say to people, if there is something that you want to specialize in and you really want to um, uh, put more of your investment, more of your time, more of your energy into that, then I, I will support that. But I think that um, to be successful as an internal auditor, I think we have to have a willingness to be more heterogeneous in the, the things that we can do and do do on the, on the work, on the job. That's and been I my experience. That a lot of anyway. auditors want to be asked. They 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 mm -hmm. probably intuitively know that they want to learn. They understand as professionals is integral to their advancement and their success. But sometimes they probably feel that well, if the boss never brings it up, maybe the boss just wants me to finish this project, then the next project, right. then the next project, and you never allocate time to training. So uh, I think that by engaging with them and putting it uh, in front of them and saying, okay, what are some of the things that you would like to learn, and how can we fit it into your your schedule? I think it really elevates that topic and puts it front and center for them. Well, and I also think that that means that whoever the auditor in charge is or supervisor or whatever terminology you use, 
we, we have to be careful not to over-assign work to ourselves as well. If we're going to support somebody in their development, then we need to be available for regular touch points to see how things are going. Um, not su not supervise and oversee everything at the end. So this is not a linear process. It's a more cyclical process, or it should be. Um, so I would argue that um, that anyone who is sincerely interested in developing their team members really needs to take the time to think about how am I going to support the person, not just support the work. How am I going to supervise or how am I going to evaluate the work product, um, but also evaluate the work process that we're using? And, and in my experience, having spoken with a lot of auditors over the years, uh, I find that a lot of them don't e even make enough time at the end of the project to have a Gosh. debrief session and to capture lessons learned and all of that. And, and, but what I'm hearing from you is that that is important, of course, from what mm -hmm. I'm hearing, but you have already highlighted the beginning when you're assigning mm -hmm. people not just based on availability, but also some other affinity elements and, and development needs that you anticipate there. You're also talking about during and having capacity part of who is the, the, let's call it the supervisor of that engagement, that in charge, to also allocate some time for development moments and, 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 and helping them develop as they go as well. And then we can talk about what happens at the end of the engagement as well. So you're talking about this kind of an, an integrated approach mm -hmm. to development people as you go. Well, one of my favorite um, techniques as we get toward the end, uh, it is a retrospective, um, but I ca it's called a retrospective starfish. The only reason it's called mm -hmm. that is that when you draw it out, it's got five points. You know, what do we want to do? What do you want to do more of? What do you want to do less of? What do we want to stop? What do we want to start? And then that fifth one is just, is there anything else that doesn't fit the, the other four that we really don't want to lose sight of? So I love this or I hate this could be an example. <laughs> um, and, but taking the time is, is necessary. It's necessary. Yes, and, and so many times we overschedule ourselves. There are so many uh, instances where people have told me uh, that as a senior, let's call it a senior who may be supervising or mm -hmm. maybe in the in charge, but this individual has so many test procedures to perform right. as well that they barely have time for the administrative tasks. And that is just administrative work. And then what you're highlighting is that other dimension in terms of training and development that also should happen simultaneously. I love this. This is fantastic, Kathleen. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by ACI Learning. Are you looking for CPE credits, professional development, to continue your education, or a custom team training solution? Here at ACI Learning, we've been building high-quality training for over 40 years, meeting the needs of every learner. Our training solutions will keep you and your team engaged and motivated to learn, helping students stay sharp in their field and better serve the organization. Join thousands of global audit risk and compliance professionals. Visit ACILearning.com to find out how we're disrupting the audit learning space. 
We are continuing our conversation with Kathleen. And Kathleen, one of the things that uh, is so important for uh, a lot of uh, chief audit executives and everyone else in that department is in terms of their skills. What kinds of skills should auditors have? And one of the ones that come to mind is interviewing. So what are some mm. of the things that auditors should do or perhaps should not do when it comes to interviewing so that we are more effective when we're doing it and we continue to build on the things we were talking about just earlier in terms of collaboration. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that will help us be better interviewers? Well, earlier I talked about how important it is to ask rather than tell. And of course, interviewing is all about asking questions. Um, I do believe that if you're going to have a successful interview, you, you need to take a certain amount of time to plan out how you'd like the conversation to go. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go exactly that you, the way that you want it to, but right. um, the interviewing has to, I, I think, really does have to be planned in terms of how you're going to open. So what are, what are we going to do in terms of building rapport? How are we going to introduce ourselves and make hopefully make people feel comfortable with us, talk about our, our plans for the time that we have? Um, and there are... Uh, there's a um, introduction, then there's a sort of a, um, it's called feed forward. It's a transition phase where before we get to the real, you know, Q&A portion of things, we make sure that it's, the, the timing is still okay for them. It's, I don't know about you, but I have certainly had a couple of instances where we had the interview on, um, on the calendar and uh, I was ready to proceed and the person in front of me, whether on the screen or whether in person, uh, just didn't seem to be engaged. I think you have to ask the question, is this, is this still a good time for you? Because if you're going to get anything good out of the interaction, everybody needs to be committed to being there. So feed forward is a way to test all of that stuff before you really get down and dirty with your Q&A. Um, and so I, I, that might be something that people don't know about, but it's a, it's a hint. It's a helpful hint for, um, for those of us who I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. And one of the things that you, when you started just talking just now, the first thing you talked about was building rapport. And and Mm -hmm. I like it because, you know, sometimes people will talk about, well, are you asking the right questions? Are you asking the right person? Uh, You know, don't make the questions too complicated that they'll maybe confuse trying to answer the question. All of those things are important. But I Mm -hmm. like the fact that you started with building rapport, right? You want to put them at ease. You want to make sure that they feel that this is like, it's going to be a productive meeting. So let's invest in it. And, and let's make it so. So I think that that is fantastic advice there. So as we're thinking about different skills, let's continue on that vein then. What are some of the other skills uh, that auditors should have? And perhaps uh, in terms of soft skills, uh, what are some of the things that you see that you believe and, 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 and what you have researched and heard about that are very important that auditors should really focus on? Well, we've spoken about listening already, and and I can't, I really cannot overstress how important that is. That uh, it should be less about us doing all the talking and more about the people across the table from us doing more uh, more talking. I would also say that um, we need to have so we need to have a nice um, quiver of problem solving techniques, problem solving tools. Um, Whatever form those 
those might take. Um, some of them are more creative. Some of them are more analytical. But uh, when we're trying to understand uh, something that is a puzzle or a problem that we come across in our um, in the audit work that we've done, whether it's through the process or whether it's something to do with a specific area that we analyzed that seems to be broken in some way, do we have uh, a good set of tools to help us problem solve? Can we employ root cause analysis, for example? Root cause analysis is um, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. It's methodical, but a lot of times people skip over some of the steps. So unless we are um, focused on, on all five of the root cause analysis uh, steps, we may, we may uh, make a recommendation that's beside the point. Um, so those are uh, a couple of things that I think are really important for auditors to try to um, do. And I think that that's very important as well for another reason, and that is that in some cases, auditors focus, I don't want to say disproportionately, but their focus really is on describing the problem. And they're mm -hmm. not really spending enough time or um, maybe they don't even think about it. I've had conversations with auditors who say that it's not their job to write recommendations or to pursue corrective action. That is management's job. So, again, we can. that's a whole other conversation, of course. But uh, right. from best practice, from uh, uh, the IA standards, uh, in, in my experience as a practitioner and yours as well, we have uh, the opportunity let's not call it a duty, let's call it an opportunity to do mm -hmm. more than just list the problems, uh, helping them come up with some ideas. And we don't have to do all the thinking, which is, I think, another thing that you're highlighting here is that this is a collaborative effort and we mm -hmm. can engage with our process owners, with our business partners, and together we can come up with great so solutions to issues. So uh, I like this as, as a good starting point in terms of problem solving. What are some of the other skills that you believe auditors should develop? Ways to make ourselves more um, um, not not efficient in the main, but um, this is this is, what I'm about to describe is is um, is a tactic. Maybe I, I I don't know that it has um, a name per se, but it, it's a tactic. Um, a lot of times when we're working on a project, we uh, we may pick things up and put them down you know, because we have to move on to uh, a meeting or we have, uh, we're juggling multiple uh, parts of the audit program. So the tactic that, um, and maybe you can come up with a good name for, for this, but the tactic is not to, when you know that you have a commitment that's starting, say, at the top of the hour, don't work right up to um, X99, uh, X59 minutes, and then jump into your meeting or whatever have you, but give yourself a little bit of, buff, of a buffer. So maybe we call this buffers. Buffers are for, um, for looking back over your shoulder and seeing how far you've come. Buffers are opportunities for you to jot down um, when you're working on a particular test, for example. This is what I did, this is what I found, this is the very next thing that I'm going to do when I return to this thing, to this task. Uh, a lot of times that, that gets, just doesn't get considered. You know, we're like pressing so hard to get things done. 
that we lose thread. And then what's, what I see, I know where your head is. I know you well enough, Hernan, to know exactly where your head is going. So go ahead, jump right in here. <laughs> well, I, I, I love what you're describing because what if, uh, you know, part of my thought process was that sometimes when people bring up this idea of a, of a buffer or a transition, quite often they bring it up in the context of preparing for the next meeting, not right. necessarily the debriefing on the previous one. And, and I right. think that is, that is something we, we need to give proper attention to so right. that we make sure we, we put everything in its right place and we're ready to pick it up later, like you say, when you're introducing this idea and this, this practice. So we need to do that and then we can prepare for the next thing. But one or the other, I think both are very important. And mm -hmm. I think that we need to, to, to prepare ourselves and then uh, demonstrate it in our own behavior, right? That's a big part of management and leadership is, 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 sure. is leading by example and then helping our, our, our teammates also acquire that skill. I love this. I think this is a very, very, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, oh, why haven't we thought about this before? This is this is a really important thing to do. I can see it. I um, I just remembered the first place that I heard about this. Um, it's called a closeout process, and a woman uh, time management expert in Cambridge, Massachusetts, came up with it. Uh, she should have she should have trademarked it or something. Um, her name is Pamela Christan, and she she I remember being in a, a a course with her uh, on a, you know, in another job. Uh, but, but I, I practice it regularly and it helps me so much because then I don't have to shuffle a bunch of papers and say, where was I? What was I doing? You know, instead I can jump right in because I can read that list and know exactly where I left off and I can pick that up uh, as soon as my meeting is done or whatever have you. Excellent. Thank you so very much, Kathleen. Great, great suggestions. Great advice for all of us. We'll be better off by embracing all of them. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Skeptical Auditor podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Kathleen Crawford. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand. Subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv.